0: You're listening to Drek FM.
1: There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it.
2: (laughs) I was there more times than I can remember.
3: Welcome, everyone, to. Trek FM's local watering hole. We are here to have a great time tonight. Ruby has got drinks flowing around. Bruce has got tea because he's feeling a little bit under the weather. But uh, it's going to be a great night. We're here to talk a little bit of Star Wars. Um, We're actually going to be continuing the uh, Star Wars book week. (laughs) Our Star Wars supplemental Uh, We just had, with John and I, we talked about the uh, three young adult novels uh, with Luke Han and Leia. So check that out and be sure to listen. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy that conversation. Plus, uh, we said some nice things about those books. And um, I I think if you're a Star Wars fan, uh, even just a small Star Wars fan, uh, those books would definitely be worth your read. Uh, First, I want to, before we even get started, I want to make sure you guys know who's here in the 602 Club with me. Um, I'm really excited to have Darren Moser here for the first time. Darren, is this the first time that we've talked Star Wars? I think the first time we've talked
0: Star Wars. We've talked several things on the 602. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, Ruby's got my order down by now. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's the first time the stars have aligned in a galaxy far, far away.
3: How can that be? I mean, you're a member of the 501st.
0: Uh, That's exactly why. I'm always trooping. I just can't take the plastic off. But uh, no, I'm really excited, and I think it's it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. So I'm sure there'll be many opportunities for us to talk Star Wars.
3: Do troopers wear boxers or
0: briefs? Uh, uh, To Imperial Regulation 5.0. paragraph b i cannot reveal the answer to that question dang
3: it i thought i would get you with that one
0: it's actually a unisuit it's the black undersuit it's like the whole it's like a body sock
3: okay so it's like long underwear does it have the little flap in the back Uh, No, that's why we have the butt
0: plate. Oh, gotcha. That makes a lot of
3: sense. Okay, okay. Man, we are just getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, Bruce is with us. As I mentioned, Bruce is feeling a little of the weather, but uh, I'm really glad that he could make it here to talk about Aftermath.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me here. I don't like following the butt plate, though. That's... (laughs) kind of awkward right now but yeah i'm a little under the weather but i'm really excited the fact that this is the first time i've ever talked about a novel on a podcast and i love tie-in novels so i'm really excited to delve into this one
3: and you really got the hind end of that deal didn't you
2: i did i'm and, and
3: i'm a small star wars fan yeah, that's true. You really are. Uh, hence all the posters behind you. It, uh-huh. it, it just doesn't scream enough Star Wars, Bruce. You need to try harder. um And then, of course, it's it's a part of this the bylaws of the six hundred two that uh, if we're going to talk Star Wars, John Mills has to be here with us. He won't, and let he's me got his leave. usual
1: seat. I'm trapped in
3: the bar. He won't let me
1: out. But that's okay because <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk Star Wars, so that's cool
3: you're the one who always chooses that seat the one that Han usually has you like that seat it's not my fault
1: that's just because I plan to shoot you eventually uh, I wait I mean yes I like this seat yes
3: well good to know that you would shoot first so oh, gosh <laughs> before Place we do dive <laughs> Before we do dive in, I want to remind everybody that, of course, the 602 Club is a part of Trek FM. We have over uh, 20 different shows on the network with all the special feeds we have as well. Uh, you can check us out at iTunes.com slash Trek.fm, and you can also find us online at Trek.fm. Check out all these different shows. Uh, we've got something for everyone with podcasts about every single Star Wars series, books and comics of Star Trek behind the scenes, different points of view. I mean... We really have it covered in every single way, so make sure that you do check out everything that we have to offer. And you can find us on Twitter, at Trek FM. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash FM. If you would like to contact us, guys, we would love to hear from you on the 602 Club about anything we talk about here. Uh, or anything you might want to hear us talk about on the show, go to trek.fm slash contact. Uh, We'd love to get your feedback and thoughts about uh, what's happening in Star Wars or anything else, again, that we're talking about. And then, of course, you can find us at the Babel Conference, and that's our listeners-only discussion group, and we really do hope you'll join us there. Just click Discussion on the menu bar anywhere at trek.fm, and then, of course, you can also just type Babel into the search field on Facebook. Well, guys, um, we did have something really big happen just a couple of Fridays ago. We had Force Friday and released on Force Friday. We had a brand new novel that was going to be taking place after Return of the Jedi. And, you know, as Return of the Jedi faded from theaters in late 1983, Star Wars fans entered what would be kind of known as, for them, the dark times. Uh, Toys began to disappear from the shelves and honestly, Star Wars kind of faded into the cultural zeitgeist a little bit. Uh, and even before the, the faint whispers about special editions and prequels, *Air of the Empire, I think, really reawakened a hunger for Star Wars that had really been under the geek surface all that time. Uh, it was the first book that had been licensed by Lucasfilm to continue the story after Return of the Jedi. It brought back Han, Leia, and Luke, as well as introducing us to carriers like Mara Jade, Grand Animal Thrawn, we had Talon Card, and a plethora of others that would become staples of the Star Wars expanded universe as it became known. And I think Timothy Zahn kind of cemented himself in some ways as the second coming of Jork Lucas for a lot of fans. Um, Star Wars, the EU, the expanded universe flourished uh, with varied success over 23 years, and it ended, of course, when Disney acquired lucasfilm and announced that the eu would be reorganized into the legends line and the official run of canon would begin with books comics and uh, it seems like everything is involved these days games it it, it's all over the place so i wanted to ask you guys before we get started with talking about this new canon and a book that a lot of fans were kind of considering the official start of this new canon in a lot of ways um you know it, Rebel Force Radio, Jimmy Mack, that's what he's considered, you know, um, a lot of uh, people in Star Wars I think have really been waiting for this to happen. What did you guys think about the EU ending, number one? And part two of the question would be, uh, what have you thought of the new canon so far? Just a quick rundown of of the quality that we're beginning and maybe your list of where you'd put things. Bruce, what did you think about that?
2: I was not upset that the EU was stopped. I I don't even like to look at it that way. I like the I like the fact that they call it legends because it is something that could have happened, may have happened, and the current new EU could borrow from that. I think what we're going to see is a blend of those two universes, if you want to call it that where you're seeing things from the old EU appear in the new EU and there'll be like a blurred line between the two. So I, you know, when it comes to tie in novels, I don't hold it to the canon regard, even with these new ones, as most people do. I mean, I do believe these novels will be contradicted in the future by future, uh, productions of movies and shows or whatever else happens. So, you know, it's, it's fine, and I think we'll see a return of some of the storylines from the
3: EU uh the old EU legends being built on sometime down the road. So of the novels, Bruce, for you that have come out so far, um, where would you kind of uh put them on the list, obviously excluding Aftermath till after this discussion?
2: Okay, so I'm looking at my list here. Uh I would say I like at the top I'd put Dark Disciple and A New Dawn. Those were probably my favorites. Followed closely by Lords of the Sith. Tarkin, I was a little disappointed with Tarkin. It wasn't bad, but after Darth Plagueis and it's the same author, I was expecting something more to that level. I, I felt like that was a rush job. And Heir to the Jedi, oh wait, I, I don't really remember that one. Oh yeah, Noodles. That's why I remember
1: without that Force and Noodles. <laughs> Toodle Fruits.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what about Brain you, John?
1: Borers. Uh, Okay. Uh, I, I'm probably on the older edge of the age range here. I I was in high school when Air of the Empire came out, and it was a glorious, happy day. Uh, I remember running out to the Walden Books to buy it, and uh, just being beside myself with happiness uh, at it. Um, and, but over time, I grew to dislike the expanded universe uh, a great deal. I stopped reading anything in the post-Return of the Jedi timeline because I did not care for where the story went. Uh, and I I restricted myself to reading prequel trilogy uh, era expanded universe only. Uh, I was very happy, actually, to hear that Disney was blowing up the expanded universe. I agree with you, Bruce, that they could very easily bring certain things back or reimagine certain characters, um, up to and including Mara Jade or Admiral Thrawn. They could find a place for them if they wanted to. But... I was actually really glad that they got rid of it because it had become bloated. It had become self-contradictory. I never mind contradicting films. It had become self-contradictory in a in hundred different places. Um, so I was I was very happy that they decided to make the decision to get rid of the EU. Prim- but prim- all of those other things said, primarily because I knew that it would free up the filmmakers to do what they felt was necessary for the story. Instead of feeling that they had to slavishly follow some sort of timeline that normal people weren't following. Yes, I said normal Like we're, we're fans. We're diehard fans. And so, of course, we were going to read the novels and obsess about them and argue about them. But, for instance, people like my wife who like Star Wars, they're not going to go anywhere within a 100 miles of the expanded universe. And uh so... You know, I didn't want them to make movies that felt uh, they had to follow that template. Uh, in terms of the new expanded universe, um, Dark Disciple, uh, anybody that heard the episode where where Matt and I talked about it uh, with, with Chrissy Golden, that I adore it. I thought it was wonderful. I can't wait to read it again. Um, I thought A New Dawn was good. I really enjoyed Lords of the Sith. I agree with you, Bruce. Tarkin was kind of like, eh, yeah, it's all right um and heir to the jedi you know yes okay we can make what jokes we want oh i remember the, it was a travesty it was awful um every decision about it was bad and i i'm not that's that's one of the rare occasions where i'm not even going to try to couch it tactfully okay
2: it wasn't awful it just wasn't great yes it was it was awful. no it wasn't awful It was awful.
3: Hey, hey, (laughs) if you two are going to fight- Hey, I'm sick. You know, I'm going to get really irritated
0: If we're going (laughs) to fight, we're going to fight about our topic, not the-
1: (laughs) Right, so everybody agrees it's that.
3: Darren, where did did you kind of fall with um, all of these uh, new books? And then, of course, uh, what did you think of the old EU? Were you a, a fan at the time, or-
0: Yeah, uh, I was born in 83, so uh, for a comparison, I I was not yet reading The Expanded Universe at that time, but yeah, I just had had never really gotten into it a ton, but I've actually recently discovered a complete set of the X-Wing series at my local library, and so I've been devouring that Uh, by comparison as we were regarding, you know, you know... in the books where you open it up and it's like here's Phantom Menace here's you know where the books take place chronologically there was like four pages of that in the the latest X-Wing book I opened and so I could totally see what you're saying where the EU just got so dense and so interwoven and contradictory to itself that uh and again I agree with your points of you know absolutely they needed to place it off to the side as legends for the filmmakers you you cannot go into a whole new run of star wars shackled to that it's it's it would basically be the prequel syndrome as as no matter how tense a fight with obi-wan was going on in the prequels i somehow knew he wasn't going to die you know it's you know you can't put yourself into the fact that oh well Chewbacca can't die because you know moon hasn't fallen on him yet or whatever you know you, you you can't do that it it would be it would be suicide, so I see what they were doing, and you know here we go now i've I've read a couple of the the newer books love dark Disciple loved your Guy's review of it I was again just devoured that book uh you know enjoyed new dawn i listened to that uh on the audiobook, which was a really fun uh listen you know took probably several several days to to get through that on my commute, but, uh, but yeah, but want to pick up some of the others like Tarkin and such. But so far, I've been really impressed with the storytelling. Um, but you know, I have I have already some opinions about sci-fi in general and like some things you should and shouldn't do, especially when you're trying to introduce people into things. And we'll and we'll definitely get into that. But but overall, I, I agree with what they did with it. Haven't had a ton of experience with the Legends EU, but. Uh, yeah, every toaster oven and Band-Aid is now pointing us towards The Force Awakens in some way or not and I'm kind of just keeping my head down just enough to not have you know, a Phantom Menace CD case spoiler thrown at me in the 11th hour before <laughs> You mean qui <Qui-Gon's laughs> Noble End spoiled it oh, for you? Oh, don't even start <laughs> I picked it up a week before Phantom Menace and like almost threw it across the Best Buy I was so upset <laughs> so, kids, don't don't pick up the CD until... Actually, I don't think you even get it until the Yeah, they 18. won't release
1: yeah, it until the it, till yeah, movie comes out. Yeah, because they're
3: smart. Uh, but it'll yeah. say on it, it'll say, like, Luke's noble end, you know, Leia's <laughs> not-so-noble end... Hans, well, right no, the Lego
0: is my biggest fear. It's you know, it's like, hmm. Yeah. There's a battle, the rebel battle on Skywalker base or whatever. You yeah. know, you know, it's like, hmm. I wonder if there's going to be a battle with the rebel. You know, it's you know, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 easy to read between the lines with the Lego, but but yeah. So that's that's where I'm coming from. But I'm looking forward to this talk about aftermath and uh, and you know, yeah, writing a new chapter.
3: Well, for me, I you know, I have not read, obviously, every single EU book. There's a lot of them, but I've read a lot of them in general. I, you know, started with the Thrawn series, um, the original there by Timothy Zahn, and I just kept going, and uh, for the most part, I, I stuck with it. I stuck all the way to the end uh, with Crucible, uh, the very last book that they put out in the EU. Uh, I am actually a person who enjoyed that book, and so... Um, you can actually find that review on, on my blog. I didn't have a problem with them doing this at all, though, uh, of doing away with the EU um, to give them the, the freedom, as you guys talked about, and I think that's so wise. And I'd seen, I think, you know, being a fan of the Clone Wars immediately, I saw how the Clone Wars series was able to use things from the EU and bring it in and make it their own, and I think that's definitely what's going to happen. with. It's already happening with these new books because you know what? Calf is canon now. That's right. Calf is canon. <laughs> but so, Hot
1: Chocolate isn't yet.
3: No, not yet. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I had no problem with that. Um, I have read all of the books that have come out now. Um, and Dark Disciple for me, like you guys, number one, love it. Um, Lords of the Sith, really good so is a new dawn as john and i talked about i loved the uh three books we got about han luke and leia weapon of the jedi moving target and smuggler's run are great reads fantastic reads um and i i just really enjoyed the way that they add to the canon with those books and then uh, tarkin is like you guys eh, it's i hate the word meh but if any book in this series was meh it was, it was Tarkin for me, and I was disappointed because, as, as you mentioned, Bruce, uh, you know, the work that Luceno did, I thought, on Plagueis was really good, uh, the Darth Plagueis book, and I really enjoyed that, so I kind of expected that from Tarkin, and I just, I didn't really like it, except for the parts that they had with the relationship between Vader and Palpatine and Tarkin. I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting and really well done, and that's yeah. the most interesting part of the book to me, but it, all the The stuff about Tarkin and his background and I just, that didn't add anything to the character for me because Tarkin's regardless of what you do in his background he's still the just this really bad dude you know, you explaining to me why he was bad wasn't really helping my understanding of Tarkin in in any way Um, but uh, and then yeah, heir to the Jedi, like you guys I I don't even need to talk about it so, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, okay. Is Aftermath a new hope? It, you know, this is the story that I think everybody really has been waiting to see. I mean, the new canon started with a new dawn, and it, it introduced Rebels to us. But I think because of the way that fans thought of Timothy Zahn's books and the way that it started with basically feeling like episode 7, 8, 9... I think everybody's been thinking, okay, Aftermath, it's going to be the triumphant return of the EU books, the the, the, the Star Wars book. For you guys, how does this kick off the journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens? Well, I think you summed it up right there.
0: It's the journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens. That is seven. This is not seven. This is, I, I think, something that's going to start to put names in our mind and places in our minds and put force threads that they are going to pull on. But I think if you go picking this off the shelf, expecting it to be like a Timothy Zahn novel and this is going to be a cornerstone of the new, you know, Bible of Star Wars. No, it's, it's not that. And it's nowhere close to that. Um, So, but yeah, that was a good point. Uh, hadn't thought of it that way with you know like you said that experience of the Timothy Zahn novels and just that one two punch of here's new star wars and it just rocketed off in this in this trilogy.
2: Yeah, cuz the Thrawn trilogy it almost took the approach as if it's it was trying to be 7 8 9. And you're right. This this book isn't. This is a a a step toward that journey to the Force Awakens. And when I saw uh, Chuck Wendig at Dragon Con a couple weeks ago, uh, and it was the day the novel came out, so I had just started reading it, he had mentioned that when he was hired to do the job, he was told basically, here's the time frame, right after Return of the Jedi, write a story. And so he said he put everything out of his mind. He followed the EU, he put that all out of his mind and just focused on a story that he wanted to tell in that time frame. They wanted him to focus on going to different planets different situations going on the galaxy he wanted to provide more of a storyline as making it feel more like star wars so that's why you see an interplay between the interludes and the overall story
1: yeah i uh the the problem that i have with the approach or with the way it was handled however you want to phrase it is that Uh, I understand that this is a step toward The Force Awakens, but there is nothing about it that feels like it is a necessary step toward The Force Awakens. Whether that is a product of them putting uh, too many restrictions, uh, too many demands on Wendig, I think that in terms of his writing style... It's perfectly fine. I I think I think he's a very, you know, he's a good writer. He he writes good dialogue. He has good interplay between people. Uh he describes scenes very well. There you know, there are a couple of uh compelling moments that actually, you know, come to mind like describing um, you know, the time in the bar and um uh different moments of, you know, the interplay between the characters or even the creation of uh Mr. Bones was I thought you know, somewhat inspired, but there's nothing about this story that feels necessary. Um, And I like it, it, I'm not trying to like throw just a random dig at it, but if we're going to compare air to the empire versus this, like the feeling of that, I understand that air to the empire was constructed to feel like another star Wars movie. And this is not, but at the same time, that feeling of reading out of the empire, or even some of the early, you know, some of the earlier EU stuff, was a feeling of, oh, I have to read this. This is this is really, you know, uh, giving some meat on the bones of what I know. Whereas this feels more as happening, but not, just not vital.
3: Ah, oh, man, um, I'm right there with you because even in my notes. I said this. I said, I can't shake the feeling that this is the story that's happening while the main story is happening somewhere else. You know, like the main story is happening just off the page. And like I can't grasp it. Like that there's there's all the things going on. And and that was I, – I, I feel bad then, you know, uh, Bruce, as you said, if, if chun Windig kind of had – the interludes forced upon him to write those in, and that really wasn't his plan. Um, I feel bad for him because I think they really do hurt the story because they're kind of the best part of the story in a lot of ways because what they're doing for the galaxy is really interesting, what you're seeing happen. But also, that's the only place that you see the characters that we really know. Um, We'll talk about the characters in just a second, but, I mean, that's where Mon Mothma appears, and some really important things come out of her mouth about how she feels about the the beginning of the New Republic and, and what she wants to do. I mean, huge policy issues she's talking about. that That's fascinating. We get like, you know, ha- half a page on that. And that's it, you know. Uh, with Admiral Akbar uh, you do see a tiny bit of Leia. And then you have this wonderful interlude with Han and Chewie. And that's you're like, I want more of this, you know, like I, this, this feels vital and important. Like this is the stuff that like you were saying, John, this is essential. And then we kind of go back to this backwater story that has nothing to do with feeling like it, it's going to mean something by the time I see episode seven. Well,
2: that's what you're saying. You know, this isn't telling the story. And you're right, because that story is going to be told by J.J. Abrams. And they don't want anybody else to tell that story yet. I don't think we're going to effectively see a well developed EU between episodes six and seven, really, until the sequel trilogy is done. At that point, then Lucasfilm will say to Del Rey and its writers, okay, now you know how the story plays out. Go ahead and fill in the blanks. If they allow them now to say, Go ahead, write up a Han solo story, go ahead and, and fill in those blanks now, then the fans, us, like we were talking about, you, all of a sudden things contradict themselves because all of a sudden the filmmakers are going to do things that contradict the novels that came out that told this big, expansive story of what Luke did and Leia did and, and Han did in this time frame. It's unfortunately. I feel like the EU is going to suffer a bit for a while because they have to be very careful where they go. And every story we see coming out that so far at this point with the journey Force to the Awakens after Return of the Jedi are side stories. There are other characters and we get glimpses of our favorites in between.
1: Yeah. Okay. But but to to counterpoint that one, uh, I appreciate that. I understand that. But at the same time, to speak to Matt's point about the the stuff that we just get in pieces, the parts of the book where I was really engaged were where uh, the Imperials are sitting there talking about what are we gonna do next? What's left for us? And so, for me, it was a disjointed experience because you have this main story arc in the book, and it doesn't feel truly connected. To the forward progress of the Empire, you know, like saying we just got our butts handed to us and we've got to try to figure out like what's going on. And I, I'm not going to sit here and try to like rewrite the book or anything like that. But those were the parts where I was really engaged with the story, uh, you know, this story of uh, which was sort of treated like a B plot of the Imperials gathering together. Trying to figure out what's going on and then finding out that there's even a machination behind that, that's the engaging stuff I don't even I honestly I don't even need the interlude with Han or Leia at all or or Chewbacca or e- even a mention of any of the main characters if I'm seeing and you know keep in mind I'm, I'm the type of guy that really loves the governmental stuff in the prequels. like I would have loved a book that just dealt with you know, how's the Republic setting itself up and how's the Empire setting itself up? And it doesn't even need to forward it all that much. It just has to set the stage the way that it does in the book. Like, I, I think that's enough for the whole book to exist.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree that that was my favorite aspect was, and that's what I thought most of the book was going to be about. I mean, the title is Aftermath. You don't think, or at least I didn't think, Oh, what that means the aftermath for the rebels? No, that's the aftermath for the losers. Like, what? What are they? How are they rebuilding? How are? What, how many ships are left? You know what? What's going on? You know who's pulling down the you know statues of Palpatine? Where, where's the propaganda going that he's still alive? You know, and so those aspects. Yeah, I could have definitely taken an entire book on that. And again, even if it doesn't end up mattering because Episode Seven's thirty years later. You know, obviously, things that necessarily happen months after episode six doesn't necessarily mean they're going to impact it. But, uh, but yeah, those were, those were good, good aspects. And, and, uh, yeah, but a lot of, you know, a lot of little stories and not, you know, not necessarily characters again, you know, we'll see or will even, that, that's, I guess, what was also kind of in the back of my head was could any of these characters even be in episode seven not that they need to be but just age wise like that's 30 years so that's you know so unless they're an infant or you know a teenager like this you know the kid he's 15 you know or so he technically could be and i'm not saying that that's where they're going with it but that was in the back of my head as i was reading it of like you know what what are they possibly doing um but uh let's see there was another point i was gonna make about what you were saying with the with the eu and and the future of it being kind of on pause and and i can see that you know they're definitely not going to say here please we need help filling in the gaps no they have a plan oh that's what i was gonna say it's the star wars cinematic universe that's the big shift. Now we're in the cinematic universe era of filmmaking with Marvel and with DC and with and they've purposely said, look, this is the journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens meaning even if they gave Chuck, you know, a one page synopsis of what he needed to be in the book or not have in the book, they're putting their Star Wars clout behind it, saying it's it matters. Now, whether it ends up mattering a lot or a little, you know, that's to be seen. But they're saying the books are tied into the movies, which are tied into the Rebels, which are tied into the video game, which is tied into the Rogue uh, row One, you know. And so that's just going to be very interesting because Star Wars has always been the keeper of the canon, you know, and of, of any franchise where it really, I mean, they have whole departments and people where that's their job and so that i think is going to be the most interesting thing about these new books so that's where it's like i mean obviously only time will tell but you know i i'm more interested to see what parts of aftermath are actually going to matter because i have to think at least something in it at at least they gave maybe the like i said that one page they gave him saying do or do not do this (laughs) haha you go to reference um you know, but I don't know. We'll see it, how how it fits into the cinematic Star Wars universe.
3: I completely understand everything you're saying, all of you. And I do agree with a lot of it. I have a couple of things. One, Bruce, you, you said that, um, you know, this is the journey to The Force Awakens. Everybody said that. But I'm going to throw out there to Trump, I think you is, and I don't mean that politically. Shattered Empire issue number one is exactly what I hoped that Aftermath would be like. Now, I knew Aftermath wasn't going to be like that because I heard it online that it wasn't going to be about any of the major characters beforehand. So I was well prepared to know what I was getting, which I was glad I I knew because if I hadn't, I think I would have been even more disappointed. But Shattered Empire has this great story start where it's it's it literally is the aftermath of you know the 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 death star being blown up and we actually do get introduced to some parents of a character who's going to matter in the force awakens it's huge like i'm seeing that story what i don't understand is that you have an entire book here that's marketed to adults and like you said it's the journey to the force awakens got it But as I said in my first review of Edu Dawn, if you're going to have the books and the comics and the games be canon, they have to have weight. People need a reason to pay or play or read for all of this. So if the stories are important, they need to be important and not filled just like filler. And if you you said, Bruce, where the EU's kind of be a little on hold right now until they get to you know, episode seven coming out, then don't release this book till after episode seven so that some of that stuff can be worked into whatever book comes out. Don't, don't do this thing where you hamper the storyline and you give me a half-assed book instead of a full-assed book. You, You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I love Star Wars and I love the Star Wars books and I love the good ones. That's why John and I raved about Dark Disciple, one, because it comes straight from scripts, so we know it matters.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Two, it gives us the end of a character that we all really grew to love, and more in depth about characters that we all grew to love. And this is this was just the frustration for me with this book, and I understood going in that it wasn't going to give me the main characters. I knew that. So I'm not complaining about that so much. But what I wanted it to do was to feel like it mattered, to feel like it was essential, important. And I will honestly say that the main things that come out of this book really that felt essential to me all came from the interludes, and very few of them came from the main storyline. And I, I think that's what frustrated me. So, uh yeah, I,
0: maybe those interludes were that was that one page <laughs> they were. Yeah, g- he was there given. you go. Yeah.
3: I mean, uh, there because there's some great stuff that happens in there, and I think John and I talked a little bit about it on our show about the uh, the three young adult novels. But I think Mon Mothma's attitude is actually going to have a huge part to play in oh, with yeah, for um, sure the the way yeah, that Leia and the Resistance get set up against the First Order, and so I I really. Those are the things, again, where it's like, those are the things that are going to matter. But they were like, you know, three, four pages out of a 300-page book. And that's, that's kind of frustrating to me because I invest my time because I love it and I really want to get something out of it for the storyline. And even the Clone Wars could do a story about the clones and still totally make me care. So it doesn't even have to be about the main characters you can do it, and you can do it well, uh, without it being the main characters. In fact, you were talking, Darren, about the X Wing books. Yeah, half, more than half those characters are made up characters.
0: Oh yeah, I mean they have their anchor. They have Wedge, you yeah. know, which as otherwise, if it was literally all new characters, you 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 might care, but you wouldn't care as much. And so, yeah, there was, and again, you know, to for for. Uh, Aftermath, we have Wedge, kind of an anchor for the half dozen pages he's in, but he doesn't really – a lot of the story happens to Wedge. He doesn't – at least it doesn't seem like he impacts it or, or guides it as much. He's kind of almost down for the count for a lot of
2: it. I didn't even feel like he was necessary. I don't saw, see anything that Agreed. he really brought to the story at all. I mean, he gets captured. They later find out he's captured, and but that didn't affect necessarily what their plan was. They were going to attack the palace anyway. Uh, he just happened to be there, and, oh, look at poor Wedge. Well, yeah, let's get him, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> womp womp.
3: Well, that's good. I mean, let's, let's dive right in and start talking about the characters. Um, I, I think Wedge is the red herring, so they could put a big name on the book and make you buy it. That's how I feel about Wedge in this book because you're right he's not in it at at all i mean he but when Nora intercepts
0: wedge Antilles'
3: urgent distress call she realizes
0: that her time as a freedom
3: fighter is not over
0: yet hey i just read it i gotta read this book now (laughs) yeah exactly i mean that you
3: you feel like it's going to be a wedge story and then it's not at all and i was like because that was exciting to me. Okay, like here's a character, it's a side character, a small part here in the films, and he had a great part to play in the EU. I'm really hoping to see what they'll do with him. And then he's beat up or unconscious most of the time in the story.
1: <laughs> yeah, Wedge, uh, he doesn't seem like the best type of agent to send out snooping for things. I really think he should just stick to uh, flying battles uh, after this.
2: Yeah, he even questioned that himself. One
1: thing I do want to say, uh, yeah, well, didn't he, doesn't he, uh, uh, please forgive me, but he decides to go on this mission as, like, part of his vacation or something, essentially. Like, he's not even, like, specifically assigned to it. He's like, yeah, I'll swing by, I'll check out a couple of things. And he happens into this Imperial. It's very happenstance, yeah.
3: Worst travel agent ever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, but you know, I I will say I we, we we referenced him a couple of minutes ago, but I do want to say that if there is a side character that's created for this that uh, occurs in the book, I think we all agree that Mister Bones is awesome. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Who knew yeah.
3: that the Roger Roger Droid was going to be so freaking awesome? And yeah, just his I,
0: description, <laughs> like with the bones of his enemies like rattling as he moves, and just yeah, it's like how did Chuck turn this the the disposable soldier of the entire prequels into a singular character that we all cared about.
1: Yeah. And he was and when he get when he gets the uh, the replacement arm on and like his, his first <laughs> reaction is like it's gonna be a lot harder to kill people with this. I was like now this that type of stuff I'm all on board for like if there had been even more of that type of interaction you know I, my my reaction to the book would have been substantially more positive. I want the action
2: figure of Mr. Bones. That's what I want. I think he would be with, cool. With optional uh, yes. astromech
0: yeah. arm that you can swap on. Yes. yes. Uh-huh.
3: Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and it, what was great there is that character, like, kind of referencing what happens to C-3PO in the Attack of the Clones, you know, where he gets the new head and the switch bodies and everything. And I I love that. Like, that was great stuff. And like you guys said, he is a fantastic New creation for this this storyline. I really really liked that character, and gosh, um, more maybe maybe he could go to his own spinoff series,
1: Clone Wars Two, the Wacky Mr. Adventures Bones. of Mister Bones. That, <laughs> now, yeah, oh wow! They could. They talked about coming to the little golden books. How many? Come on, oh, those gosh. of us with kids, I'd buy them Mr. for my Bones. kids.
3: Hey kids, is the let's... first book called Ratlin? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just want to see it. Uh, you know what? Somebody out there in fandom has to do this, of doing a Mr. Bones comic in the style of the little golden books. I would love to see that. Oh
3: That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's the
1: little droid with a heart of death.
3: What did you guys think of uh, Nora Wexley, who is the rebel pilot and mother to Temin, And those two really do kind of become the main characters of the story, even though we thought it was going to be Wedge.
2: She really didn't do that much for me. I mean, I don't know. I'm having a problem with some of these characters. She was his mom. She was this rebel pilot that comes to get him, to take him, well, to come home, but then realizes the Empire is there. And so she wants to take him away. And so her focus seemed to be more of taking him off planet. But then, oh, wait, there's the Empire. Maybe we should step in and do something. Oh, but wait, now I need to get off planet with my son. I'll tell you the part that I'm disappointed about is reading Shattered Empire there's a female rebel pilot and I was hoping that was her and there would be a a crossover but it's not there's not a tie in between those two yeah so so that part I was disappointed when I got to the comic but yeah she was she was okay I mean it was cool
0: how she was one of those characters like that flew into the Death Star like you know a lot of a lot of characters actually end up being in the Battle of Endor uh, that we see but I like that aspect of of her character, and and it did present you know another lens of a, you know another type of rebel. She's not in the A squad, you know. She's not. He hasn't been followed through the movies, you know. She, but yeah, no. And so I like I like that aspect, but from from the times like I've written stuff and and from what I know of of stories, it a lot of these characters stuff happens too, and you don't want your protagonist to have too much stuff happen to them just like we were saying wedge happens across you know this planet and she happens to come home it happens to be her home planet that they're having their mystery summit at you know and it's it's just if especially if it's your protagonist especially they have to be causing change through the majority of your story and and being the effect of that change and it just that was that was I think a weak element as far as her character of what what could have been stronger
3: yeah no i I agree with you, unfortunately, it just wasn't one of the stronger characters in the book for me <laughs> um, and it's unfortunate too, because so much of the story is told from her point of view and is happening to her and um yeah i you know you can make the argument. Especially in the original Star Wars movie, that it begins by things happening to Luke, but by the end he becomes the full-on protagonist. Like he's he's actively involved in things, you know. So it's it's, well, not it's okay just, to set the stage, yeah, exactly, you know,
0: and to have this is what's happening, and then you have the call to action, and then your hero mm-hmm. responds. You, you di- I, I didn't expect the first sentence to be Nora knew what she had to do and took her <laughs> path into her own hands, you know? It'd be like, wait, what? Who? who is Nora? What is going on? You know, yeah.
3: <laughs> what did you guys think about her son, Temin? Uh You know, he's a junk dealer, he's a trader, he's basically, it uh, feels like a young Han Solo and Watto put together. Oh, no, what I thought, I thought he was Ezra Bridger. Oh, yeah, yeah, very similar, I, you're yeah, right. Yeah, he had a lot of Ezra. Uh, I
2: couldn't there. get past that. I mean, I liked his character, I... I, I like that he built Mr. Bones, uh, but I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I kept thinking it was Ezra the whole time. Yeah, it's just very similar, very similar situations. Uh, his parents or his father spoke out against the Empire and was taken away, similar to... He
3: even had a radio show about it, apparently. Right, right, the communication. Yeah. He had power. a Down with the Empire podcast. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so there was a lot of similarities there, which... Um, I was. I just wanted something a little more different because, like I said, I, I kept picturing Ezra every time I, I read about his character. But um,
3: well,
0: then he found that lightsaber.
2: I mean, wait, no,
3: right? That that but that's the thing. So, <laughs> and then he 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 kept being followed around by a monkey, and it was like, why is Aladdin here? I don't understand <laughs> a whole new world. But
0: maybe the lightsaber was in a secret case that turned out to be information. <laughs>
1: <You know. laughs> MacGuffin yeah, you know information what? that. Okay, I you know what? I'm glad you said something because <laughs> I remember while reading this book, I was actually sending messages to Matt. I was like, and we were sitting there, we we're like, ooh, what's, it, what's in the box? Yeah, seriously, I'm What's Dave- in the box? Right. I'm at the end of seven. What's in the box? What's in the box? And they <laughs> open it up and they're like, it's in for info.
3: No, no, no. Really? It's a no, bunch no, no, of iPads. No, no, no. no with They what? 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 That's it. On. Uh, uh, hold on. They said it's holocrons. No, but from they what, said what I was, know uh, of. No, 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 no. They call them holocrons. No. Look yeah, but it up. Look it up. I Somebody look, look it up, it up, up in the book for me. even if they
0: were holocron holocrons, I don't think they're like Jedi Temple in but the Vault holocrons. But that's my point. We've only More heard like... of
3: holocrons from the Jedi Temple holding information about the Force, and they glowed. Oh, okay. So this flies in the face of everything we know from canon about holocrons. I didn't understand that at all. So my hope is, is that these are not going to be just you know office space holocrons from Michael Scott but you know (laughs) and his adventures like that it has to be something my guess was it had to be something more because from all I know of Star Wars the only time I've ever heard holocrons mentioned is that they hold information from Jedi or Sith about the force and their instructional you know YouTube videos basically (laughs) from the future um Having a holocron that just has information on it from, you know, but some it that doesn't that that doesn't make any sense to me.
1: No, but but that but they specifically say that the information on there that the the that surat was uh, it, it had info connecting the empire to to crime syndicates. It was basically like blackmail yeah. information. So they right. they yeah, flat- but why why is it like on a it holocron.
0: A, well, I got the feeling like a holocron was just a storage medium, like, right? This is how we store. We don't store it on. It's not like a bunch of. It's the USB drive from a galaxy far, far
3: away. That's not how we've ever. Again, that just bothers me. Then. Well,
1: I think maybe they're drawing a distinction between a holocron and a Jedi holocron. Like a Jedi holocron is something special, whereas a just a a regular old holocron is just like a portable drive or something like that. Maybe that's where they're drawing the distinction.
3: I think you need to make a new thing then because I there's no I don't understand okay. I, I'm not I'm gonna I, let it go I'm, I'm not go.
1: necessarily disagreeing with you but like I for I, th- I think that the bigger part of the 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 quib or I think that the bigger part of the problem I have with it is that that information oh it's it's information connecting crime syndicates to the Empire oh well if it were information that was you know oh this is the empire's plans this is what they this is how they're going to be able to survive this oh that's information we have to get a hold of and make sure it doesn't get back to them like th- th- this is their you know this is their backup plans and we're now in possession of them and they don't know where to fly to 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 regroup or something like that
2: they're the plans to the death star 3
3: Oh, okay. That's what hey, it is. Yeah. Hey, third time. The third time's a charm, guys. <laughs> it's totally going to work this time. <laughs> okay. but So we were texting back and forth, John, and your idea was that it was Darth Vader's mask. That's what I did. My hope. idea was that it was Darth Vader's lightsaber because uh, that was on the market, and we found out later, because this is before we had gotten to that interlude, of Darth Vader's lightsaber being sold, so we're thinking big picture here. And even when he he first opens it up, and it was saying it was glowing with these, you know, holocrons, I was like, "Oh my god, he's found all the Jedi holocrons that that the Emperor had taken from." I, I was thinking huge, big picture, and and yeah, it's just to me it was a total letdown because it's like, eh. Really? That's, that's it? That's what everybody cares about? Is some financial records between the mob and the Empire? Maybe,
1: maybe uh, it pays off in a future book where we find out that it did have the information that we all thought it was going to be on. But if that's the case, I think the better way to handle it would have been to say, we have no idea what's on these, but we have to find out. That, that, in and of itself, just gives it more weight than the way it was described in the book.
3: Well, and that makes it another good MacGuffin, you know, to speak in George Lucas terms. I mean, that gives you something else to keep going for. So, And
2: I don't know if we mentioned this, but this is the first book of a trilogy. It's supposed to be a trilogy of Aftermath books.
0: Right. Do, do we know what the other two are called? We do mm-hmm. not. It's just the Aftermath trilogy. It's it. Just
3: Aftermath 2 and then Aftermath 3. So, as far as we know, the After, aftermath or the more math. Of the it's
2: aftermath. it's aftermath into darkness and then aftermath beyond.
1: <laughs> no, no. I am so hoping for that now.
0: That just be a big like stink eye to all the fans. Uh, like, <laughs> awesome. Look what we did.
3: Okay, uh, tell me about uh Sinjar, the former. Imperial loyalty officer. What did you guys end up thinking about uh, him and his role in? He's lucky
0: to escape Endor alive. I mean, that's those vicious Ewoks. They just tear <laughs> Imperials apart.
1: Hey, they ate them at the end of Return of the Jedi. I don't know yeah, if you know. picked up I'm on that. I know. I'm afraid set. of Ewoks, that's, man. Yeah, they're they're,
0: they're, <laughs> they're not. Do never turn your back on an Ewok. <laughs> uh,
1: Sinjar was, you know, a good enough character. Um, I didn't necessarily uh care for the uh him being at endor um like i, I didn't care for how many people everybody were at, endor. at this point Everybody's at endor, at endor. it's a reunion it was like yeah
3: an endorian reunion <laughs>
1: right i like that that was the, that was the thing that doesn't necessarily ring true to me about the character
0: Mr. Bones like when I was at Endor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this
0: arm you put on me was at Endor.
3: Tevin was like, I, I wanted to take an Ewok home as a pet. <laughs> the
0: the character I kept picturing when I was when I was reading Sinjar was I, I don't remember his name, but the you know the two Imperial officers and rebels that are eventually get yes. killed, but yes. I kept picturing the thin, like snobby one. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that was what yes. my mind registered for him just, uh, but it was, you know, it's an interesting type of Imperial to see. I mean, we read in a lot of the EU, the uh, security bureau, you know, these other Imperials that make Imperials cry, you know, that are, you <laughs> know, that scare, you know, and it's, but again, of course they have massive amounts of information that like, you know, oh, well yeah, I, he's, because I think, isn't he talking about at some point, like, well, if that wouldn't been for that moisture farmer, or, I mean. That's probably not in the book, but it seemed like a lot of times he knew a lot for a, you know, interrogation droid with legs, basically.
2: Well, I like the fact that he was this loyalty officer that had to find weaknesses and officers find their Mm. weakness to the point that he was noticing so many weaknesses that he viewed the Empire as being weak. And that's why that's a good he wanted point. to distance himself from the Empire and be on his own, which led to him drinking in a cantina on this planet. But I thought that was an interesting point to show that someone in the Empire sees them as being weak. And that's, that's the setup of this character going into the story and then into the other two novels that come out. I'm just interested to see where that goes.
3: So everybody... I love how everybody in the story somehow ends up on the planet. It's the second planet that's the farthest from the center of the galaxy.
0: It's probably mm. right next to Endor, honestly, because, <laughs> I mean, everyone just got in the shuttle and just went from Endor straight to... I was surprised they didn't say, like, you they know, went on Star in Tours. the Endor
3: system. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, what about Jasmari, the... Uh, bounty hunter and she's also the niece of the bounty hunter we saw in the clone wars suji um which i thought you know for me i think she's the character that i actually liked the most in the story uh because she had that really cool connection to something in the past and it gave me like a really firm anchor of you know who this character is and kind of what their motivation is and you know why she's a bounty hunter almost with a conscience because she's you know has switched from trying to get employee of the empire and has now been working for the new republic, which is i I thought was really cool,
0: yeah that uh, you know she wasn't my favorite character, but the the parts where she was starting to try to figure out what is her new role in this new world were the most interesting because again aftermath you know the empire is falling you know how how much are the uh you know how much are the new republic going to tolerate you know bounty hunters i mean we see that in the in the three pages of dengar for some reason he's in this book why not i i you know i'm not saying why not but just i was surprised
1: oh yeah yeah no you i'm i'm with you i'm, I'm, I'm well when dengar you. was at the battle of endor we know <laughs>
0: that,
1: disguised know, as an ewok
0: disguised as a big fatty walk <laughs>
3: A leprous Ewok. Yeah, a that's lepr- what everybody wants. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that's anything only thing now. Every, everyone was at the Battle of Endor. Oh,
3: yes, and good. Jazz
2: was at the Battle of Endor. And did, <laughs> did you pick she, up on the fact that she's the one who shot Leia in the shoulder?
3: Yes. That's she, right, that's right. Apparently, she's the only that was one off, who's a
0: good shot. Because that was off screen, wasn't We didn't... We see in, you know, she's just taking uh, credit for stormtroopers left and right. I can't. This is yeah.
1: Just... I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Return of the Jedi because I think there's a pretty clear visual language of a stormtrooper shooting Leia in the arm.
0: I think Look, it's pretty assuming clear. you won't go back and ever watch the films again. I mean, that is a staple. <laughs> the what? <wall? of> <laughs> Movies? It's... Well, they'll edit that nice. out.
2: They'll it's... do a special edition. It's the one with
3: the Ewoks. Nobody bounty likes that one. Shot first. Come on. Yeah. Only real fans like Empire Strikes back anyway. Yeah, so.
1: right. Yeah, you found yeah. us out. But I mean, it, I mean, Jess and Singer not only both being on Endor. I mean, come on. There's a bounty hunter on Endor hunting Princess Leia during the Battle of Endor? I mean, what? Makes sense to me. I, I don't I don't It just it's it hurt my heart when i read that scene i was like
2: really guys and then she's on and then she sees singer there on the planet as she drives away oh gosh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah they're they a casablanca moment yeah <laughs> we'll always have endor so <laughs>
2: we'll <always have> <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe not today well you know as as the death stars raining down on the planet destroying the ecosystem you know, just... well i mean the scene when tenement was on endor that's the one that really got me no i'm just kidding he wasn't on endor. no guys you so we have to remember told. as a
3: good friend of ours you know aladdin saying it's a whole new world Yes,
1: <laughs> that's right
3: a whole fantastic point of view. And depending on where you come from, you know, it's uh, whatever side you're looking at. It, it's, it greatly depends on your point of view. So
1: yeah, uh, See, that it makes could
3: that have been a stormtrooper, but maybe Suji was just dressed up as a stormtrooper. That makes total sense.
0: What they're going to do now is instead of BBY before Battle of Yavin, that's not going to be the new Zero. The new <laughs> Zero is going to be the Battle of Endor. And when everyone went there, it would be called a B... B E. There we yeah, go. B-B-E. Yeah, the B-B-E. B-B-E. I like that. Oh, it's oh, the new canon. Oh,
1: yeah, okay. I, I can live with that. I can live with
3: that. <laughs> well, we, what was interesting is that we did have Admiral Ray Sloan yeah. who first appeared yeah, in A oh, New Dawn, character. which was great, and have her recur, and she's the first recurring you know, Imperial that we have in the new canon, a lot like Thrawn or Admiral Pellion and uh so i really really appreciated that she was brought back that she had survived the civil war and now is an, an admiral and a person who is really trying to be the leader and you know if you wanted to say maybe there's an older imperial that might have something to do with force awakens this was a character that i thought okay this might be somebody we might have referenced say in the force awakens
0: and I liked how she was basically the admiral of education that got bumped up to Grand Moff because of the death of all of the rest of the hierarchy of the empire. Yeah. You know, that, that makes
3: sense. You know, I buy that. You take down a Super Star Destroyer, apparently you lose a lot of admirals. So that and Death Star. It's it's killer on the uh, the rank and file. So yeah, It, ha- it yeah. has an impact for sure.
2: I think I would have liked if she were the central character if this novel was centered all around her
1: yes Yes. Yeah. yes. absolutely
0: yes. that would have been that would have been great
1: and since she is a tie in character that uh, uh, again gives it weight the the the, the one thing we 've all been hitting on it gives the story weight because it anchors it right and, and wow, I mean and it actually turns aftermath into a framing device because a new dawn is basically the kickoff point pre Star Wars for the new EU and then aftermath to bring her back. You've got this wonderful framing reference for the original trilogy with this one character and she's a good character. I enjoyed her.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. She's holding her own in that boardroom and that's, it's hard. They make, they make it hard on her character, which grows her character. And, and I mean, she's making good decisions. She's making bad decisions. She's backsliding at times. She's, trying to cover but but in the end she firmly believes like we got to do something she's the one when the house is burning down who says wait 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 like what literally what are we going to do like right. i mean she does have the cards of this the last superstar destroyer that's parked somewhere you know she won't tell anyone you know that's cool how she has that in her pocket her or code cylinder i should say <laughs> and uh they don't have pockets um <laughs> and uh yeah it's it, Man, so I think we've already rewritten Aftermath, the Imperial-focused Admiral Sloan
1: novel, yeah. Where she falls in love with Mr. Bones on Endor. With Mr. Bones, oh, of course. yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> they they could be great characters together. He could be her hitman. So. There you go. I love that. Perfect. Sold. Talking about her, she is my favorite character of the book. Um, I I loved watching her try to control these other Imperials and you know when all the good Imperials have died uh, this is what you're left with and I like seeing and I don't mean good as in like they're morally good but like the the good officers I, I really really appreciated her character and what they were doing so uh, yeah she was a huge standout for me one of the things I liked overall in the story which you saw a lot in
0: her character but also in Mon Mothma's character and a couple others was those big picture times where they were just, like, real, where they're like, hey, in a real world, when all of your command dies, what do you do? Versus with, like, Mon Mothma where she's like, you know, yeah, the Empire doesn't disappear like a snap when you kill its Emperor. Like, there's still something there. There's still systems. There's still people. There's still, you know... There's a ton of systems sitting on the sideline. Like where you know, what's gonna come in to fill the void? You know, what's and I think the way they treated all of that which in, in a good way, where they weren't just like, It's fiction, uh this happens, you know, which I think that would have cheapened it, but they they took enough of a stance, and by that I mean, you know, the author, you know, of Yeah, Mon Martha wants to have this direction which we think is gonna impact later. Yeah, the Empire is you know, what the heck are we gonna do? You know, I liked you know those I think were strong points of the book where they were you know real enough because again we don't live in a billion trillion populous plus galaxy wide empire. You know we we don't have a frame of reference for that, but we you know we've seen a lot of these movies and can make our own opinions. But so I liked I liked I want to speak on that aspect I, I liked of the story.
3: Well, for you guys, the small cameos that we did get from Mun Mothma, Admiral Akbar, Han, Leia, and Chewie, uh, and then, of course, the side story of uh, apparently Chewie and Han are going to go liberate Kashyyyk, which sounds like an awesome book. I want that story. How did those work for you? Well, I like how
2: Admiral Akbar, uh would mention the word trap in every other sentence. <laughs> um <laughs> it's a trap it's not a trap i know
0: traps and this is not a trap but it might be a trap
2: be careful of the trap but it was nice to see shut your trap <laughs> it was nice It renamed the
0: ship trap one
2: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was uh n- nice to see han and chewy on the millennium falcon hen to kashik uh the one thing that bothered me a little as like yeah oh we don't need to get the rebellion involved in this let's just let's just call our friends and we'll take over the whole planet for ourselves we'll we'll, we'll save them just chewy get on the phone call, call all these people get the rolodex out get your black book out you know i don't know that seemed a little strange to me
3: well you know they have a rotary phone on the millennium falcon he's never upgraded that thing I mean the entire ship is a rotary phone. You just you yeah, know, pretty much you, <laughs> you have just, to the like, it into around the Death star <laughs> yeah. right there Journey and you just around. spin it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it felt like that side story specifically felt like you know when you finish a novel and it has like a couple chapters from another novel that they want you to yes. be interested in, that's what it felt
1: like except for it was in the middle of the book.
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what it felt
3: like.
1: No, the stinger goes at the end. <laughs> not in the middle.
3: Duh! Uh. I thought that this was really interesting because the things that Mon Mothma were talking about, uh, what galaxy is she in? Um, I understand that she wants to demilitarize and, and create this, this formal republic, but d- d- did she not realize that the, the predicament that they're actually in at the moment, that they're still actively trying to destroy the Empire, and that... It seemed like to me she was putting the cart before the horse. Uh, it's good to have those ideals, and to that—that that be what the you're fighting for. Land speeder, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I again, I think that that's something that's going to play heavily into the Force Awakens. But I, I felt like it just felt off for her to be talking about wanting to be a new hippie community already in in a galaxy that's still very much at war with itself. I mean, they haven't liberated a planet like um, Coruscant and, and some of those major planets like that. So, I mean, there's still a lot of this to go forward and to be kind of already in your mind demilitarizing. It's like you're just you're not at this point yet. I get what she wants. I think it's a fantastic place to be and, and to want that. That's what they should all want. But at the same time, you're nowhere near your goal, honey. So Simba down now.
1: Yeah, but they do have the, the one character present that viewpoint. Um, I think that in its own way, in, in a book that does have a lot of, and I applaud it for this, a lot of prequel nods, uh, This feels like it is uh, Mon Mothma staying truer to her ideals and her practicality, to speak to your point. But isn't that in and of itself sort of recasting the character from what we would expect? Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, especially if this winds up playing out the way we think it will for the State of the Galaxy in Force Awakens. But she is part of the senators that were aligned with Bail Organa, who was a pacifist. And Padme, who was a pacifist. So in a sense, even though we're all, I I guess, you know, it's sort of like a dramatic irony sort of thing for the audience. We know that this is a bad call. This is not the call you want to make. But her character is staying true to those ideals and, you know, putting ideology ahead of practicality. And so we'll see that bear fruit come December. You know, so if it's... Like, if that's a bit that has that sort of impact, then, you know, it, I think it has a good place in this book.
3: Well, I think that's a great place to jump into some of the things we liked. And, uh, John, I think you should just pick up that point and run with it because I know one of the things that you really liked, and it was one of the things I did too. So why don't you just start us off with that?
1: Uh, w- well, there, I mean, there were, there were a couple of things, uh, that I liked. I, you know, I did like, um, because we made reference to what's in the box earlier. Uh the acolytes that appear mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. that chapter are, you know, I, I guess arguably the first seeds of what we know to be uh the Knights of Wren. Um you know
3: We are the knights of say
1: Wren. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Bring thing me is, a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> but but that they even say um, you know, because they they believe that they've got Darth Vader's lightsaber, which of course we know is highly unlikely uh, considering its long journey to the core of the second Death Star before it exploded. But uh, that they say we're taking it to destroy it so it can join him in death. Which Very I, Egyptologist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and the thing is, is this, I think that's a good hint that the Knights of Ren are like a death cult um, of some sort, which a I think... Sith cult. Yeah, but like it's just it's a it's a new twist. I think that's um, a, a good uh, fanatical twist, sort of thing. Well,
2: I don't know. Like also the well, like you said, I didn't think that was really Darth Vader's uh, saber because I don't know how they would get it. But then I'm wondering, well, whose is it? I mean, there aren't that many red sabers out there.
1: Yeah. However, they however they have established in, in, in the canon Malls? by this point that you can get lightsabers on the black market. That's in Dark Disciple. So. I don't know uh, if we were to find out that I mean, maybe I mean, maybe that's a hint in and of itself as to why they're pursuing maybe, you know, the the I mean, obviously Luke's slash Anakin's or Anakin's slash Luke's original saber figures into The Force Awakens. We've seen that much. Maybe yeah. this informs why that even appears in this is that gets dredged up in the black market because they're trying to get a hold of it.
0: Yeah, I think that was nice because that's a, that's a good seed. Like we were talking about for the force awakens, because it seems like the Knights of Ren are definitely going to be a major player in that story, in the first order and and how that comes together. And while that, you know, and it was a perfect, just, just enough where it was, it wasn't like, and then this is who these people are and where they're coming from. No, it, it, it gave us like half a conversation at a moment in time and a transaction. And it was just enough to like pique your interest and then it was gone. So unlike some of the other interludes, which were kind of like, oh, and I thought this was for a new book at the end of
3: the book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the wonderful things about that too is it honestly connects with a lot of the things that we kind of know from the EU. Um, They're talking about the, uh, looking, they're the, the the acolytes of the beyond. Um, and then you had this, uh, forced devotee, this, uh, acolyte basically of the Sith under Palpatine, one of his advisors, Tashu, who is sold out to the ideas of the Sith, even though he's not one. He's a true believer in the ideals of the Sith. Talking about, you know, looking outside the galaxy. From everything we know, at least from the EU, was from outside the galaxy, the Vong came, and that's one of the reasons that Palpatine took over was he had had a vision of the, them coming and knew that he felt like the the Republic wouldn't be able to handle it. So in some ways he kind of turned himself into uh, the dark hero, I guess. Um, I, I some... hope
1: this isn't a way for the Vlong to come back. Keep them away.
3: That, but I mean, it was just interesting because this whole idea of something outside the galaxy, that also, think about this, it just came to mind. Mortis, outside mm. the galaxy, it yeah. doesn't have to mean on the edge of the galaxy. But Mortis is not, from all we know, it's not a part of the galaxy. It's just something that appeared and then disappeared. So
0: yeah, I don't, I don't know what Mortis is.
1: Uh, Clone Wars. Uh, there Clone was Wars. a story arc, uh, the Altar of Mortis. Uh, the father. Okay, I've seen all of Clone Wars. I don't, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it had the, the father and the dark side son and the light side daughter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Where it was, got really into the mythology. of. Yeah, the, it got really, the, deep. Right. Really, <laughs> like really deep. That's right. Really, really deep. Like really into yeah. the, Got it. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, and that's what I, I liked that direction that, especially like you were saying, Matt, the, the devotee to the dark side, to the Sith, you know, who wasn't one. And yeah, it's these are some really interesting directions that they can take, you know, the bad guys instead of just, oh, it's the Empire, it's the military, it's the, you know, they have the ships. Like, we're we're kind of past that now. And I, I'm i really interested to see how they shape the story of Force Awakens with the First Order and, and Kylo Ren and just, you know, what's, I think it's going to be way more nuanced and, and hopefully a great story.
3: Well, and I have to give, Chuck, a lot of credit here. You know, John, you and I, being huge fans of the prequels, we had worried that uh, they wouldn't get their love. And I have to say that the way that he writes the story and the way we read them in the three young adult novels as well, it just felt like one tapestry. And it, you know, you you pull from here, here, and here, and here, and it didn't matter what part of the canon it came from, but it all just fits together beautifully. There's no, you don't ever get that moment. Oh, I'm giving the prequel reference now. Oh, I'm getting, you know, it just felt like everything from the prequels to the original trilogy with Clone Wars and Rebels in between. It's all one thing, and I love that. Because that's what, you know, that's the joy of destroying the old EU and having the new EU be here Mm -hmm. with uh, the the new books being canon is that they, they do connect because we have all that backstory now. It's set. We know what happened. And so these books can seamlessly... Incorporate all that stuff, and and Chuck did a great job of that. So I give him all the props in the world for that. I really appreciate that. As a Star Wars fan, I, I I'm tipping my hat to you. Yeah, it was
0: one of the first few times where I've read the word because doesn't isn't one of the the in, inner pieces like on Naboo for a yeah, second feed. Yeah, feed, and it was one of the first times where I felt like that was just natural. Because, and I don't know why, I mean, it's not, nothing against Naboo and Theed, but, like, when the prequels came out, it felt so f- forced down your throat, like, this is Naboo, this is Theed this is the new place. This is where, I mean, it was like, they were talking about Naboo all the freaking time, like, it was the center of the galaxy, and here, now we're going to Naboo, and I felt like this was a great, you know, just, it's another planet, you know, just like how Jakku is going to become an important planet, but we don't know why yet or how yeah. um so but yeah that's why i i concur that 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 was a, a, a natural use of the prequel information
3: well we have talked a lot about the book and i think we've pretty much covered really the things that we didn't like um about it for the most part I do want to ask you guys a question before we kind of jump into something that's been happening with the book on Amazon and some of the reviews happening there. And Do you think maybe that this book might have been better served if it had not come out till after The Force Awakens? So say this book comes out the week after the movie so that the pieces of that film can play into this book so that the mystery of Han, Luke, and Leia, what's happening there isn't a secret anymore. Um, So that this story could feel more essential because there aren't so many strangleholds on what you can talk about, what you can't talk about, and that's open because the the floodgates have been open. We've all seen The Force Awakens at that point. And heck, I'd want it for Christmas. And what do you guys think? Do you think that this was worth having the book come out now and kind of having the reaction we're having now? Or do you think maybe it just might have been better to wait a few months, not try and capitalize on Force Friday, but maybe give fans a little bit more of what they really hoped this book would do. Be. Yeah,
2: because Chuck Wendig doesn't know much about the movie, doesn't know mo- any more about the movie than we do. So how can he lead into that with very little information? If the movie comes out and he sees it like we do, then you know, the ideas start flowing through his head on how he wants to bridge the Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens right now he doesn't know where that bridge is going to and i think yeah i think it would have been a a better book knowing how to fill in those pieces going into the movie if he had seen the force awakens i'm interested to see what he does then with his second book of this trilogy because by that time he would have seen the movie so i i think it would have benefited to wait
0: oh is he is he writing all three books yes okay i i didn't know that it was all by him i i I didn't know if it was him or it was going to be like a mix
2: of authors.
3: Yeah, it's him for all three. So you're saying this is like Chris Christie's Bridge to Nowhere?
2: Yes. It starts in New Jersey.
3: <laughs> okay. Doesn't everything. I, I, yeah.
0: No, it starts in Endor. Everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> comes from Endor. The bridge to Endor. <laughs>
1: <Touché>. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think we would all agree that um, they should have they held on. Uh, Because this has, like, the young adult novels have their own um, framing devices that tie in to The Force Awakens, and I think that if they had uh, put those front and center, maybe even expanded one of them, uh, or what have you, I think that would have served the strategy better. I definitely do.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're still going to have to wait 93 days, 3 hours, and 12 minutes until we find (laughs) out, you know, what is important in this and what is not so i i again i i'm still gonna stipulate that chuck was past a special page maybe two of of things that like this these are these are some threads you can put in here and whether or not they have tons of weight whether or not you know it's you know could be the name of the uh, you know, we were talking about that, um, the Sith loving, you know, uh, Imperial advisor, maybe he becomes, he's one of the guys standing behind Kylo Ren at, you know, Starkiller base or whatever, like who, who knows? And we won't know until we find that out. So that's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, but in the bigger picture, I, I see what you guys are saying with, you know, why not, why not use it to its full potential to connect the dots instead of, well, we don't even know what the picture is going to look like yet. You know, how do we how do we draw it? Um, although, if they're not going to tell Chuck any information until the movie, you know, then this book wouldn't even come out for a while because you got to write it. So, Force Awakens plus writing, printing, and publication time, which, you know, that's that's just, I guess that's just not the way they want to play it.
3: Well, and and that was my thing was was not that they would have just showed him the movie when we all saw it, but that okay. he would know enough or at least seen enough of the movie to be able to write the book but it would not come out till after the you know the force awakens so that that was you know copacetic every everything's out there for for the fans but then we get rewarded after the movie at christmas time with now here's the book that kind of launches you from you know episode you know six to episode seven and I just to me it felt like it just feels like a better idea and again it makes the book more essential so instead of having this thing where if you're giving it a fair review you're probably giving it about a three people are more like oh my god you have to read Aftermath it's so freaking awesome you know I can't believe what they did with this and it's connecting into and maybe what's it telling us about episode eight you know I mean that that's that's not going to happen yeah with this book unfortunately so
1: yeah but but as much as we have uh, highlighted its shortcomings i i don't think that uh, the book is getting a fair shake on amazon uh by any stretch um and I, and i know matt you you would wanted to talk about that where like there seems to be a concerted effort wasn't there Wasn't there something at Dragon Con where people were passing out flyers? Yes. Asking people to go tear it apart or something?
2: Well, uh, yeah. One of these guys actually approached me uh, early that Friday morning and said that uh, the goal was to, on a monthly basis, as a matter of fact, they want to go and get everybody to order one paperback Legends novel that would throw uh, a canon book off the top of the list for that day only, just to make a statement.
3: Why? Uh,
2: <laughs> just a statement go, to bring the, e- bring the EU, bring <laughs> legends back.
0: Okay, you've convinced me. I'm going to call George up right now, and he's going to reverse all these decisions. You just know. He's going to
1: buy back Lucasfilm from Disney.
3: Wait, he already gave the
0: money away.
1: <laughs>
3: can, I, can I quote a wonderful Disney princess for a second let it go (laughs) (laughs) let it go don't hold it back anymore guys just let it go um i'm i was very disheartened to see any star wars fans acting like this because i'm not here to trash anybody's book i'm not i'm here to love star wars That's why I'm here. I freaking love Star Wars. I wouldn't be sitting here talking for an hour and a half about a Star Wars book if I didn't love Star Wars. And all the criticisms here have nothing to do with Chuck. Um, The things he did well, I loved. The things that I had uh, a frustration with, I've mentioned. But those are creative decisions that I had uh, and I'm critiquing. I'm I'm not doing it in a mean spirit or anything like that. And this is is unacceptable for Star Wars fans to be doing. And I I think it's reprehensible that this would happen. Because we don't know the whole story, okay? And I don't think that some of the things that maybe we've talked about in this book were completely in Chuck's control and how he wanted to tell the story. And obviously that's the case. Because as you said, Bruce, one, he doesn't know anything about the movie. And two, they made him put the interludes in the book. So th- this, there's a lot of he- this here that's not this guy's fault. And I'm very, again, I'm very disappointed that any Star Wars fan would, would just stoop to such a terrible level. The worst part about it, from my point of view, is that it
1: delegitimizes any actual um, constructive criticism that somebody might have. And on top of that, it is uh, fans behaving exactly the way that gives all fandom a bad name and paints us all as out of control, fanatic lunatics who can't separate reality from fiction. Like this is if you don't like it, don't read it end of story you're done you're not getting your legends line back it's not going to happen just just you weren't at
0: at gunpoint on force friday this wasn't shoved into your cart you're gonna buy this book and you're gonna go to friggin' five
1: stars okay right exactly exactly they didn't let anybody out of target until they gave it a five-star review
0: well and and like you you said matt it's you know it reminds me a lot of uh age of ultron and and uh with you know again with Marvel saying you're going to put this in and this in and this in and but you can tell your story but you got to include this and uh, you know very much like I said the it's the Star Wars cinematic universe and, and how much control do you really have it's not the days of the EU of fill in the gaps please we're not really doing anything with it right now we'd love you to, to write us a you know a, an important story that has the gravity of Uh, an episode seven, you know, it's, that's not what it is. And, you know, also, you know, juxtaposition from like we're saying in 83, 84 with these, these EU books starting to now you have the internet, you have this loud connectivity of fans to, if there's anything to prove, don't read the comments. I think it's this entire aspect of of this book you know listen to podcasts where four people can have a civil discussion about a book someone wrote on a franchise they love don't read the comments well said sir well said
3: and i and i want to say too that what's disappointing about it is that you know i put my reviews on amazon a lot of times as well and i spend a lot of time doing those reviews and like you said john it just delegitimizes those reviews for people because honestly I use the reviews on Amazon for a lot of things to see if a product is good and, you know, read through those to see if something is is worthwhile. Books, movies, but, I mean, just normal things I buy for around the house. And it's just not a way to treat something. If you don't like it, go get your own blog and cry about it there. But don't cry wolf, basically, here. And and give reviews to a book that, one, you probably haven't even read because you're not a verified buyer there on Amazon. And two, uh, ruin the reputation and, and hurt a guy's feelings that, who's just out there trying to write a book, you know? I mean, Chuck was hired to write a book and you either like it or you don't or you're kind of in the middle, but share that opinion honestly with something you've spent time with and you've thought through, not just as a reaction and a lashing out because you're still angry at a company this guy had nothing to do with that. He does not deserve this whatsoever. So whether I love Chuck's book or not, I'm I'm on his side to say, hey, leave the guy alone. Leave the guy alone. This this is ridiculous, Star Wars fans. So, Well, let's just do a follow-up podcast after The Force Awakens, and we can be like, oh my gosh,
0: I didn't even realize that this meant this, and now it all makes <laughs> sense. Or we could be like, well, the second one was really good, right. but know it's you know, it, it, you know time, time will
3: tell well for you guys i do want to to get into our actual ratings and and what we did think about the book um i'd like to do that on a scale of five for this so that we can have a a, a nice basis for people to kind of understand where we are with the story darren i'm i'm a very
0: hot and cold reviewer like i usually you know i've I usually see the positive things. I'm, I'm It's very rare that I'm going to see something or watch something, a movie or a book where I'm just like, I was utter trash, you know, battle. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh,
3: Battlefield, Battlefield Earth. Earth,
0: you know, that's, that's down there. But, uh, so I would say I get after, I would give aftermath a three out of five. Uh, you know, it's star Wars. It's, it's got some good parts. Mr. Bones definitely helps out a lot in that rating. I I tried to give it a fair shake because I literally read it right after reading *The Martian*, which I devoured over two days. So I was trying to cleanse myself of like this incredible book and now you know giving it its own due. Um, but yeah, I mean it. I, I it's definitely not the number one in these newest books. I mean *Dark Disciple* and and *New Dawn* and some others definitely are king of that hill, but. I'd give it a three, but I don't know if I would definitely go out and say, you got to buy this book. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a must own, you know, but it's another good chapter, you know, from what's come out so far.
1: I, uh, I'm going to, uh, give it two and a half out of five stars. Uh, there were aspects of it that I did like, that I did enjoy, but the overall experience was disjointed and, um, non-essential to me uh probably i i initially came out of it trying to be more positive about it but i just upon reflection and going back i i honestly it, it's it's two and a half there like if you're a diehard fan go ahead and read it but three or above for me would be a book that i would feel comfortable saying to somebody who's just dipping their toe in or something should i read this book I uh, this is this is something for the diehard. this is to put it in the in the context of uh being a fan of the the musical band the doors this is like the soft parade you got to be a real fan to pull the gems out of it and and appreciate the work
2: i agree with that uh diehard Star Wars fans, again, I don't think it's necessarily a must, but I think it's something diehard fans should probably read, but a general Star Wars fan, I would not recommend it. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't recommend it, I just, it's not essential. And yes, I don't think it... I don't think it truly is a journey to The Force Awakens. I think it's an author's interpretation of events of the galaxy that take place right after Return of the Jedi, which I think it does a good job. I like seeing the summit of the Empire and how they're fighting among each other as to what to do. I can see them breaking off into their own groups. Uh, Then I also like Mr. Bones a lot. I thought he was a cool character. (laughs) Uh, and I like the interludes. I may I like actually when I read the book, I read it, of course, from page one to the end, but then I went back and kind of reread it real quickly again, just a quick summary of it in, in my head. And I read it without the interludes and went back and read the interludes. And I like reading the interludes by themselves one after the other, but I would give this book, uh, three holocrons out of five. Now, what's
0: on these holocrons? I mean, it's really important. Are these <laughs> Jedi holocrons or are these just like, you know, Bureaucratic payroll. Normal, normal, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, no, these are Weather projections pol- on Alderaan. Oh, we don't need that. <laughs> 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 I was thinking in whole stars just because uh, that's what Goodreads forces me to do. So I, I couldn't give it just two stars and I couldn't give it two and a half stars, so I gave it three. I do feel the book probably falls more into deserving more like a two and a half. But I'll say three. And the reason that I, I'm i bumped up a little bit is, is that I loved the, the respect of the prequel trilogy. And uh, I loved the uh, character of, of Ray Sloan. Spoiler alert. I love the end of the book when we realize there is another Imperial Admiral who is in the background pulling the strings. And it reminded me so much of Thrawn, obviously, that I don't know if they'll use him at all, but heck, I want it to be him. I know, I wanted it to be
0: him too. I'm like, please. And then his red eyes looked over... (laughs) <laughs> at her it's like just I, I think it
3: would you know it would be so much fun if it was um, and I, I have no illusions that it probably will be but that's the feeling I got so I loved th- that was a great stinger and a great job there by Chuck to to actually give me something to look forward to um, unfortunately it's not as good as the young adult novels that I've read so far and, and that's a really sad thing to me it's also not as good as the very first issue of Shattered Empire, which was a 20-page comic that I felt like nailed the aftermath better in the kind of the aftermath I would have hoped we would have gotten to see. But what happened here, um, it's not terrible. As we've all said, it's just not essential yet. And maybe like the first season of Rebels where it took me a while to figure out how these characters were actually going to be essential, Maybe that'll actually happen, so retroactively the book will get better, but I don't like when that happens. I'd rather a book to be a standout at the beginning, and uh, this just wasn't the standout that I hoped it would be, even though I knew this wasn't going to be about the big three characters, And, and it can still be a standout even if those characters aren't in the book because I've seen it happen in Star Wars before. I've seen it done in the Clone Wars. Obviously, they made me believe in the characters and rebels. But yeah, there it is. It's it's a three-star book from uh, all of us except for John with the 2.5 and I'm a so rebel. take that with you as you will. <laughs> uh we'll we'll say that's an average of, of three stars from all of us and and that's frustrating, but I'm really glad that we got a chance to talk about it and um, I'm excited because Actually, next week, we're going to be recording another supplemental on another Star Wars EU novel that has just come out, which is Lost Stars, and I'm very excited to be able to do that. So far, the young adult novels have been the highlight of the journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens, and I'm hoping that that will be the case, but you'll have to join us for that supplemental then. Before we guys let you go... Don't forget, you can find the shows everywhere. Uh, Of course, we're on Apple at iTunes.com slash Trek FM, and you can find our shows there. Hit that subscribe button. We're still doing the review contest. we got a few weeks left in that. Please, please, please go in. Give us an iTunes review, star rating and review. I'd love for you to be the one I give the $50 gift card to and the Eagle Moss USS Vengeance from Norm, who's thrown that into the mix as well. So make sure you do give us that review. And, of course, you know if we're not an Apple, find us everywhere. Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. You can stream and download the MP3 file from the website and grab the RSS link as well. want to really thank the associate producer here on the show, Ken Tripp. I so much appreciate his support. Without his support through Patreon, we would not be able to bring the show to each week. Don't forget about Patreon because... That's really the best way to help out the network. If you love the shows we do, you have a passion for Star Trek, you have a passion for the things on the 602 Club and everything we do here on the network, visit patreon.com slash trek.fm. You can see how you can help bring all of this content to everyone each and every week. We're a listener-supported network, so we definitely need you guys and your help. And we would love to give you some great bonuses as perks for that, exclusive content, producer credits, you could be on the Patreon roundtables. So just go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and check everything out. Guys, goodness, I it's a blast being here with y'all. And I'm so glad to have all of you in the 602 Club anytime. Bruce, tell everybody where they can find you online.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Admiral and I also write for com, and I'm co-host of Cloud City Casino.
3: What is that podcast? Tell everybody, just in case they don't know. I'm so know.
2: glad you asked me that question. So, Cloud City Casino is the official gaming and collecting podcast of Star Wars Report. And Michael Morris and I do it on a weekly basis, and uh, several episodes are coming up uh, that also involve other podcasts like... Skywalking from Never- Netherland is going to be on to talk about uh, Disney Infinity game.
3: Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Darren? Tell everybody where they can find you
0: online. Well, when I'm not sitting in the 602 Club here on Trek FM, people can find me on my co-hosted show Earl Grey which is our Star Trek the Next Generation focus uh focus show where i talk with my co hosts Philip and Daniel uh over 100 episodes so far and we still haven't run out of things to talk about uh for a show that has been off the air for like 20 years but it's uh it's great we have a lot of fun if you uh if you enjoy Star Trek or enjoy Next Generation uh, I think you'll enjoy uh, us three guys talking about it and online they can find me on Twitter under username drsci-fi. that's D-R-S-C-I-F-I and they can also go to my website which is drsci-fi.com, where I have uh, pictures and little synopses of all the troops I've been on as a stormtrooper in the 501st uh, just doing charity work, walking 5Ks meeting a couple of fun people and just
3: having a lot of fun uh, in the galaxy far far away. John? I know that you have some things to tell people about, one, where to find you, and two, about some podcasts you do as well.
1: Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at KesselJunkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. And then you can find me actually on the Trek FM network on a uh, delightful little show called uh, Commentary Trek Stars uh, that I have the pleasure of being on with Mike Schindler, where we examine the uh, work of Trek creators outside of Star Trek. And then I'm also on a podcast called Words with Nerds uh, with my friend Craig that uh, drops through the usual expected podcast channels uh, where we specialize in uh, a special brand of insanity that we brewed for nerddom.
3: Well, guys, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can find me on Instagram at Rushing, you can find me doing the orb with christopher jones we talk exclusively about deep space nine if uh, you like deep space nine haven't really watched it a lot check out the show we'd love to have you listen and uh, get to know deep space nine a little bit better as so many people i think these days are really finding it again on netflix and going through what a fantastic show to watch from front to back You can also find me doing literary treks with Dan, where I talk about the books and the comics of Star Trek. We also interview authors. Really excited. We just had Peter David on talking about the New Frontier series, so that was a great interview and had a lot of fun with that. And I do have my own personal blog, as I mentioned earlier, at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. You can check out my reviews of books and movies and other things like that, Uh, all my uh, Star Wars reviews there for books that I've read over the years and stuff like that, too, so really appreciate if you check that out really appreciate you joining us for this episode of the 602 club and may the force be with you